0: following has been a presentation of Amarillo Fellowship, a community dedicated to spreading the love and hope of Jesus Christ. For more information and other podcasts, visit AmarilloFellowship.com. You may be seated today. Hey, this morning I want to start off by giving you an update on our capital campaign. We are a little over a year into a three-year capital campaign, Giving Hope in the future based upon Jeremiah 29:11 and our goal is to raise $750,000 for three different projects the the three the I'm sorry five different projects three years but five projects and um the first thing is is pay off a $35,000 construction loan we can check that one off we're finished with that one already amen <laughs> Add more parking spaces. It's the thing we're working on right now. We're going to repair the roof. When we bought this building, we recognized that our roof was damaged. Um, purchased the two acres on the northeast side, northwest side of our, our property. We own the acre and a half on the northeast. Am I pointing the right direction again? Yeah, okay, thank you. The northeast side. I always get so confused in this building. But this, this two acres on the, no, the northwest corner, we don't own. We want to purchase that. And we want to break into the area of video. Um, We we have some friends that recently they moved to Florida. We're thinking about starting a new church in Florida called Emerald Fellowship East so that we can go there and hang out in Florida whenever we possibly can. Some of you feel the call to be a part of that church and hang out on the beach for Jesus. but one of the things they said is, man, we're, we're going we're gonna to miss our church home. And wouldn't it be awesome if we could live stream our services so that people continue to participate. So well, that's, that's what we're doing. And I want to tell you, first of all, thank you for all of you that are involved. We appreciate you um, giving and serving uh, and working in that area. And so far, we have, pl- have had pledged $732,000. So we are just $18,000 away. There are new people coming into the church all the time, so we know that there are going to be new people that are going to be wanting to pledge. And we have raised $238,000 in cash. (laughs) Telling you, it's pretty incredible. We've got an organization that's working with us to help us, and they say we're right on track with what we're doing. We also have hired an architect and a survey to develop plans for our new parking lot. But if you've ever built something, you know as fast as you would like for it to be done, it goes a lot slower than that. And so there's some things that we've been kind of working through. We had to plat our land. I learned something new. Um, we basically, when we bought this property, there were four different pieces of property with this that were already subdivided. And when we began to develop plans that were going to go into other areas, we had to plat it, meaning we're taking all four of the pieces of land, still the same amount of land, but making it one piece of property so we had to get that done it took a while for the city council um, because they were they were not meeting for several weeks and so we had to submit that we also have our p- plans um, uh, getting them to the city we had to have some different plans but I wanted to show you an updated um, plan if we throw that up there well, originally when we were um, talking about our parking with you guys several months ago we were talking about putting a lot of our parking right up in here um, as we began to kind of get into the process, we recognized that it was going to cost us a lot of money to tear down nine of our trees out front. I know some of you are going, oh, I'm glad we're going to keep that area because that's such a pretty area of our church, isn't it? We're going to have to move a couple of light poles, recognize the expense that it was going to be. And so we made a decision that we're going to move it out here to the side, right over here. And, and basically what we've done is we are bidding this part first of all. And if we have enough money left over, we're going to be able to do this part. And so it will be awesome when you're coming to church or leaving church not to have a lot of traffic jams. And so it's going to be really awesome. I know we had a funeral here this past week. There were about 250 or so people um, at the funeral. And they actually had to park out in the grass. And it's going to be nice when that does not have to happen anymore. So very exciting that uh, what all has already happened and what's continuing to happen. And the reason why we're doing this is because we're growing. Now, we recognize look, there's a few empty chairs, but we do not want to wait until the need is so great that, that we're, we're killing ourselves, that we want to plan ahead. So we're growing. In fact, we are running about 100 more each Sunday than we were last year. So it's just really awesome um, the, the way that we're growing, our children's area is growing, our student ministry area is growing. But it's really not just about numerical growth. I know sometimes that we can get kind of hung up on numbers and and get kind of anxious. Well, is it all about the numbers? It's not, but it's about the number that the life represents. And for us to do everything that we can to remove every obstacle so people can come in and hear the good news of Jesus Christ, because it's really not about numbers, it's about lives being impacted by Jesus Christ. Every week, lives are being changed, I guarantee you at some level, every week our lives are being changed as we come into the presence of God and have this wonderful body of people that we get to worship with. And I, I wanted to read a testimony, if you don't mind. It's from a, a lady in our church who's been coming recently. Her name's Victoria Balko, and she writes this I'm very thankful for Amarillo Fellowship. My first time to attend, I came with my mentor. I had been looking for a church home for a while. We sat in the back, and I listened to Pastor Richie preach on the Father's love. Surprise, surprise, huh? I sat back, and I cried because I couldn't believe what he was saying. I felt every every word he was saying was so true, and it's something that I needed to hear. So from then on, on Sundays, I kept coming, and Pastor Richie preached on everything I was struggling with. I knew I found my church. I am proud of the people that I have met here. There are tons of loving people here at Amarillo Fellowship, which has drawn me to want to build friendships. I know God has put me in this church to do great things with the people here. God has done so much for me in the last year. He has healed brokenness in my family. My sister has been saved and is learning the Bible. I've seen amazing acts from God and doors have been opened that I couldn't open alone. Just this past week, God spoke to me through the Holy Spirit to go to my brother-in-law and sister and ask them if they wanted to start over. I knew they had been dealing with a lot of struggles I loaded up my boys and drove over to their house. As we stood there together, I could feel the worry on them, and it was hurting my heart. I told them that God wanted me to ask them if they wanted to start over. In that moment, they both broke down and began to cry. I began to speak things to them that I did not know, but God knows everything. They both received the Holy Spirit and gave their lives to Christ. Isn't that incredible? Afterwards, within a few minutes, I felt a very overwhelming sense of joy in my heart. I just wanted to jump around and sing. I knew that joy, that joy was from heaven. I know that Jesus loves us. No matter where you are, he hears your cries. So for his sake, we go out and tell the world about his goodness, no matter what. God is so good, and I can't wait to see where he takes me in this life. Wow. Isn't that awesome? That's why we do what we do. This is just one testimony of many testimonies. This is why we ask you to get involved. This is why we ask you to participate with God, to bring people to Christ and to let people know who God really is because unfortunately the world is talking about God in a much different way. We want people to know who God really is and who they are in Christ. That is the thing that brings positive life change into their lives. When people become true followers of Jesus Christ when they place their trust in Jesus Christ. And listen, while we place our hope and trust in Jesus Christ when we become Christians, it's actually something that we have to choose to do every day. I'm not talking about getting saved every day, but every day we have to choose to put our hope and our trust in Christ. Because there are all kinds of things in this life that are calling us to place our hope and trust in them. All kinds of voices, relationships. Man, if I could just marry the right person or if I could just be with the right person, then I would feel fulfilled. Careers. And if I, if I could just get in the right job, then happiness would be in my life. Money and wealth. Boy, if I had just a bit more. If you ask anybody typically how much money they need, it's typically just a bit more. But God tells us why we should put our trust in him. Here's what he says in Isaiah 26, verse 3. You will keep him in perfect peace. How many of you would like to walk in perfect peace in your life? Constant peace. It doesn't matter what's going on around you. God tells us how to do it. Whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. See, God is, Isaiah is writing and saying, God, you're going to keep people in perfect peace When their hearts and their minds are stayed upon you, how are we able to do that? Because we trust in him. We don't trust in our circumstances. We don't trust in our ability to figure out how to get out of the circumstances. Our trust is in him. So the key to walking in perfect peace is keeping our mind stayed upon Jesus. And it's our trust in Jesus, again, that keeps our mind stayed upon him. See, sometimes it's really hard for us to recognize when our hope and trust really isn't on Jesus. It's really hard for us to recognize that. So so Jesus taught us how to recognize by our behaviors when we have placed our hopes and trust in other things besides him. He's taught us, he's shown us how we can do it. Is that because God doesn't want us to have those other things? No. He has no problem with you having and enjoying things. Some of you grew up like me and you just need to hear that. He has absolutely no problem with you having and enjoying those other things. He just wants to make sure that those things don't have you. Because he knows that those things don't bring true peace into our lives. True peace is only found in Jesus. So he helps us understand this and he teaches us this in Matthew chapter 6. So that we can understand this issue he says do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth Where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven Where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal So jesus is teaching you and I not to lay up treasures on this earth But instead lay up our treasures in heaven So again, is Jesus saying that he doesn't want us to have these things in our life or that we shouldn't plan for the future? No, not, absolutely not. In fact, later on in this chapter, he talks about how your heavenly father already knows that you need all of these things. If you're ever wondering, does God know where I'm at? Does God know that I need these things? He already knows that you need these things and he's already provided them for you. But he tells us in verse 21, Why where we lay our treasure is so important? Because he says this, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What Jesus is telling us is don't let your hope and trust be upon things in this world. Have you noticed things in this world will let you down? Your 401k is going to let you down if that's where your hope and trust is. Your financial investment, at some point, it's going to let you down. If your hope and trust is in some relationship and some friendship, at some point, they're going to let you down. So he's telling us not to put our hope and trust upon the things of this world. And the, why he says that is because that where your treasure is, that's where you've given your heart to. Because, again, really, it sometimes really is hard to recognize when our hope and trust really isn't on Jesus. We can at one moment have our hope and trust in Jesus, but the things of this world begin to distract us to other things, and suddenly we didn't even recognize when we took our eyes off of Jesus and we got our eyes on other things. But if we can locate your treasure, we can locate your heart. Let me say that again. If we can locate your treasure, we can locate your heart. And our behavior helps us locate our heart or where our hope and our trust is. Is your hope and trust in the kingdom of God? Or is your hope and trust in the material things of this world? If your trust is in the world, if you're trusting in your earthly wealth to get you what you need instead of allowing God to be your supply, then you're going to miss out on the peace that God wants you to walk in because he has already provided for you everything that you need. So when Jesus talks to to us about laying up treasures on earth, he's helping us understand that where our hope and trust is located at, that's where our heart is. Practically speaking, it is my relationship with the treasures that God has given me, specifically money, that helps me understand where my heart is. 1 Timothy chapter 6, Paul's writing and he's telling us this. For the love of money is is a root of all kinds of evil. Now notice it's not money is the root of all kinds of evil, that it's the love of money that is a root of all kinds of evil. It's having a wrong relationship with money. What is a wrong relationship with money? It's trusting money instead of trusting God. Now, when I talk to people most of the time, people will say, well, Pastor Richie, my trust is in God, not in my money. Okay. There's an easy way for all of us to be able to tell with ourselves, are we obedient to God with our money? Do you, do you tithe? Do you bring the 10% of what God has given you, the, the portion that belongs to the Lord, do you bring it back to the Lord? See, when when God teaches this in Malachi 3, he doesn't say that we give the tithe, we bring the tithe because it already belongs to God. So are we obedient with the tithe? Are we obedient with the offerings to the the work of the Lord? Are we kingdom focused or are we self-focused? So are we involved in a local church? Do we support a local church? Are we excited about what we're doing as a community dedicated to spreading the love and hope of Jesus Christ? See, our money... And the way we give, the treasures that are in our lives are an indicator of what it is that we really believe. Because you see, it's very easy to tell where your heart and where your trust is. All you have to do is follow your actions on giving. And by the way, this principle works in every area of your life. If someone isn't giving in a relationship, it's typically because their heart is not there. All of us in relationships can get our heart elsewhere, on our job, on ourselves, instead of on someone else. See, God has given us treasures, not for you and I to hide them in the earth, but to use it to set our future and someone else's future straight. Like the testimony that I read earlier, your giving is what made the difference in Victoria's life. We, we sometimes never connect the two things, but it's your giving that made the difference in Victoria's life and in hundreds, possibly of thousands of other people's lives. You see, our treasure, our money, and our time is a tool that God uses to establish the future. It's something that is used to make your future and someone else's future better than what it is today. So if you want to know, so if I want to know if my heart is in heaven or on the things of God, I need to ask myself, what am I doing with the treasures that God has given me on this Earth? So what I do with the treasures on this hurt, on this earth lets me know if my heart is focused towards heaven or towards God or not. Does that make sense what I'm saying today? Are y'all picking up what I'm laying down? Listen, God has blessed you so that you can be blessed. Let me say that again. God has blessed you so that you can be blessed. God wants you blessed. You have to settle that issue because if you don't settle that issue, you'll never understand that God blessed you so that you can also be a blessing to others. He's blessed you so that you can be blessed, but he's blessed you because he wants you to be able to be a blessing to other people. So what are you doing with the treasure that God has given you? Are you using it to be a part of advancing the kingdom of God? Are you using your earthly treasure to help other people? Listen, God doesn't need our help. God doesn't need our help, but he does need our trust. He does need our heart, and it's our heart and it's our trust that helps us understand what we believe about God. How good we believe that God is towards us. I want to share a couple of stories from Luke's Gospels, chapters 18 and 19, that helps us understand that the way we view God, your view of God, your perspective of God, determines how much of our heart and trust that we actually give to God. And again, according to Jesus, how do we know where our treasure is? How do we know where our heart is? By what we do with the treasure that God has given us here upon the earth. So in Luke chapter 18, a rich young ruler comes to Jesus, and he says this, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? In the next verse, Jesus answers him and says, So Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. Now, I want you to notice how Jesus answered him. Jesus knew that this young man didn't see him as God. He didn't see him as savior. He saw him as a teacher. And there are many people who come to Christ that don't fully understand what it means that Jesus is our savior. That he came to save you. In fact, he came to sozo you. One of my favorite Greek words, we looked at it a couple of weeks ago, but guys, throw that back up there on the screen. Sozo means to save It means to deliver or protect, to heal, to preserve, to do well, to be or make whole. That's what a Savior does. It's seeing God as God that causes us to give our heart completely to Him. It causes us to put our faith and trust in Jesus. But if you don't see Jesus as Savior, if you don't see Jesus as Savior, If you don't recognize that Jesus came to save you, that he is your savior, or understand what Jesus being a savior means, we won't really trust him. So we'll take it upon ourselves to take care of ourselves. After all, the Lord blesses those who help themselves, right? Second Opinions chapter 2. We'll take it upon ourselves to be our own provider that I've got to do these things and we'll follow our plan instead of God's plan. And we'll try to live for God without ever really giving him our heart completely to him. So while we might be able to fool people about where our trust and where our heart is, we can't fool God. And he'll ask us to surrender that area of our lives where we lack trust so that we can surrender our hearts completely to him. We see it in the story after the young man had bragged about how good he was. And just so you know, if you think Jesus is mad at this young man in Mark's gospel account of this, it says that Jesus loved him. But he bragged about how good he was and how he had kept all of the commandments. But Jesus knew there was still an area that he had not given to God, an area that he hadn't surrendered to God. Therefore, his heart was not completely God's. And so Jesus says this in verse 22, you still lack one thing. Sell all that you have and distribute it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. The Bible says in the next verse, but when he heard this, he became very sorrowful for he was very rich. Was it a problem that he had money? No. The problem was, is that money had him. His money or his treasure exposed where his heart was. He only saw Jesus as a teacher, not as a savior, in which he could find everything that he would ever need. And because of his unwillingness to surrender his heart, this area of his life, his heart completely to Christ, he missed an opportunity to walk in the peace and fulfillment that Jesus had for him. Listen, if God's ever asking you to do something, I promise you that when you get into doing that thing, you are going to find such peace and such fulfillment in your life. And just so you know, God does not call all of us to do the same thing. So, when we look at this young man, we're thinking, okay, God just wants all my money. No, he doesn't. This was an area of this young man that he had to surrender to God. And Jesus spent so much time talking about the issue of money because he knew how easy it would be for us to put our trust and our, give our heart to money. It's amazing when you contrast this, this story with the story that you see in the next chapter in Luke 19 when Jesus encounters Zacchaeus, a tax collector. For us, it's easier for us to understand, an IRS agent. And he is an IRS agent on steroids, all right? He has no accountability. I know sometimes we think the IRS doesn't have accountability, but they do. And he had no accountability. Basically, what could happen in those days is if you, if the Roman government was going to tax the tax collector to get $50 from you, he could come and charge you whatever he would want for your taxes, he could say that you owe $100, keep $50, and pay taxes to, to the Roman Empire. So he's, a, he's, a, he's not a good guy, right? He's a, he's a sinner. And Jesus is passing through Jericho, and he invites himself over to Zacchaeus' house, a known sinner. He is known as a sinner, and he knows that he is a sinner. You know, and honestly, it's until we come to the end of ourselves with Christ and say, God, I can't, but you can that we can really walk in the fullness of what God has. And it's in, it's in this moment of, of knowing how much he needed a Savior that Jesus calls him out, gets him out because he's a wee little man. And a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree, the Savior for to see. And as the Savior passed his way, he looked up in the tree and said, Zacchaeus, come down because today I'm going to your house for tea. Y'all remember that story? Okay. So Jesus hangs out with him and he begins to reveal his grace and love to him. He has an encounter. He knows who he is. He knows that he needs God and it's in this moment of having an encounter with Jesus as Savior and seeing Jesus as Savior. The Bible says this, and then Zacchaeus stood and said, Lord, look Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor. Think about that for just a moment. Half of what you Have you have an encounter with God and your heart is so moved? God, I give half of my goods to the poor. And if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. Verse 9, and Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house. How did Jesus know that salvation had come to Zacchaeus' house? He followed his treasure because it revealed his heart. Because where our treasure is, there our heart is also. Jesus became Zacchaeus' savior. He wasn't just a good teacher. He wasn't just this good guy that went about doing good. He became his savior. See, it all comes down to how you and I see Jesus. Is he savior and Lord? Do we realize today how perfectly Jesus loves us? I know that sometimes we get very fearful when it comes to giving to the Lord. We're afraid that if we give, we're not going to have enough. But that thought reveals that you don't realize how perfectly God loves you. That mindset reveals that you don't recognize how much God is for you. Because in 1 John 4, it says this, that there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Listen. Listen. God has made his blessings available to every one of us. But the level that we get to enjoy his blessings is determined by the level that we have given our heart and our trust to Jesus. Your level of prosperity is determined by the level of the trust that you have in Jesus. So God is interested today where your heart is. That's why he says again in Matthew 6, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I don't know about you, but I do not want my heart to be on the things of this earth that are fleeting and that are passing away. I want God to know that I trust him with everything and that I trust him with everything that he has given me in my life. So this morning as I close, I've, I've got some next steps that I want to ask each one of you to take. When, when they run reports for us to kind of help us know where we're at as a church and related to giving, There are roughly about a third that they're projecting of you that are regular tithers. I want to tell you, thank you. Thank you for those of you that have gotten a hold of this principle of understanding that what you have, that 10% belongs to the Lord. I want to encourage you today to keep on tithing. Don't quit. Don't let the enemy distract you. Don't let him make you think that it doesn't matter. But more than that, I want to encourage you to be someone who shares your testimony about giving with other people. See, while I have a level of influence over this congregation, you have a level of influence with other people in this congregation that have not yet stepped into this giving element. And when you begin to influence them and share your story, you're going to set them free from the bondage that the enemy is keeping them under with fear related to the issue of giving. So I want to encourage you to take that next step. There are roughly about another third of you who give, but only give occasionally. Start giving consistently just make up your mind that you're going to start giving consistently. In fact, the great place to start is give to the capital campaign. Make a choice to say, you know what, I'm going to to prepare for my future, but I'm going to prepare for other people's future. So that card that's on your seat or that envelope, go ahead and make the decision right now. I'm going to make a monthly pledge and I'm going to give to the capital campaign. Start giving on a more consistent basis. Also consider tithing. I know, that, again, that's a challenge for some of you, but the Word of God teaches us that when we, we tithe, that God is going to throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing, you're not going to be able to contain it. Yes. He's going to bless you. Yes. So, so start tithing. And finally, there are roughly about another third of you that don't ever give. I want to encourage you to start giving. Start recognizing that maybe, maybe your heart is not where it needs to be, And as Jesus has taught us this is not me teaching this is Jesus teaching us It helps us to recognize where our giving and I know that it can be fearful And again, I think the capital campaign is a great place to start step out in faith say I want to be a part of the kingdom of God Everyone can do something Everyone can do something I also want to tell you something else unless this is your first time to hear about our capital campaign You don't need to go home and pray about it anymore All right, some of you, God speaks to you at church and you're going, you know what? This is something that we need to do. You know what? But I'm gonna go home and I'm gonna pray about it. And then the devil starts talking to you and he talks you out of what God is asking you to do. He talks to you, he starts deceiving you, starts saying, you know what? If you do this, you're gonna be broke. And because he recognizes that when you surrender this part of your heart to God, supernatural things are gonna start taking place in your life. So just give, just make a choice. I'm gonna give, I'm gonna give consistently. I'm gonna tithe. Step out in faith. Surrender your heart completely to Jesus today. Let him be your savior and let him be your Lord. And allow him to be the source of everything in your life. Listen, why would you want to see yourself as the source of your prosperity when you can see God as the source of your prosperity? See, God really is a good God who wants to do good things in your life. We just have to get to that place where we're saying, I'm all in. God, I'm placing my trust, my hope in you. God, I'm giving you my heart completely. See, it's our treasure, not our intentions or our good motives that really are the indicator of where our heart is. Let's surrender our hearts to God today. Amen? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? This has been a presentation of Amarillo Fellowship, a community dedicated to spreading the love and hope of Jesus Christ. For more information and other podcasts, visit AmarilloFellowship.com.